0: This is the Hacker Valley Studio podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology.
1: What's going on, everybody? And welcome back. In this exciting episode, we had Wilson Bautista Jr., military veteran and all-around leader inside the military, and now in cybersecurity. If you're loving our content, be sure to check us out at HackerValley.Studio and check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash
0: Studio. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley Studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back
1: to the show. Glad to be back again in three separate studios today, but we have a very exciting and special guest with us. We have Wilson Bautista Jr. He is the founder of June Cyber, podcast host of DevSec Lead, U.S. military veteran, and author of two books, the latest one being Finding Your Career in Cybersecurity. Very distinguished person in the field, and true pleasure to have you on the show, Wilson.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. I really
0: appreciate it. Wilson, it, it's crazy because I, I don't exactly remember how I stumbled across your your background on LinkedIn, but I was looking and I was like, wait a minute, is this guy me? Did I did I somehow get back to my own personal LinkedIn in some ways? We, we parallel each other in so many different ways, podcaster, Marine Corps, so many different ways. But for the folks that don't know who you are yet, could you give us a little bit of your background and what you're doing today?
2: Yeah, so... um A little bit about my background. I started out in 2001 as a United States Marine and actually my background in the Marine Corps as an enlisted man was I was in the Marine musician program. I was a pianist, one of 12. And everybody's like, well, how in the world did you march with a piano? And I'm like, yeah, you you just (laughs) you just did it. So as I went through my career, I, I I got my college degree. So it was one of those opportunities where I could go to go to school in the evening. And so I finished my bachelor's degree, and I decided, well, this is an open door to become a Marine Corps officer. So I decided to haze myself again and go through Officer Candidate School in Quantico, Virginia, and I eventually uh, commissioned as a second lieutenant. And they said, "You're gonna you're gonna be a communications officer," which is short for you're gonna be an IT officer, and you're gonna you're going to connect things like not just IT systems. You're going to connect radios. You're going to make sure that the satellite systems are connecting, doing everything that it's supposed to do. And I got out of active duty and decided I wanted to pursue hardcore, a career in cybersecurity. Cause I, you know, as much as I love to connect things, I think that's not as sexy as trying to break things. Right. Hmm. <laughs> so it's just like, I'm like, okay, well, how does this work? And so my first job in the marine outside of the marine corps was to support headquarters marine corps and get the southeast region's bases ready for their uh, cyber uh readiness inspections so i got, i did a lot of auditing and i learned why you know settings were ones and zeros and why things were disabled and, and enabled and uh really saw that from that perspective and i took that skill to um, another a multinational corporation based out of Switzerland, and I started out as an analyst there and then I went up to being the division head of their vulnerability management services portfolio um, globally, which was awesome because I got to travel the world and I got to work with so many different cultures and you know see how people do things differently and it really helped my my empathy specifically dealing with all of these different cultures and the way that you have to talk, the way that you have to act um, can be misconstrued or appreciated. So I did that for a while. And then I had an opportunity to build a IT program and an information security program from the ground up. And it had to be, it had to be compliant with the DOD standard of the NIST special publication, eight hundred one seventy one, 171 And it was a wonderful opportunity because, you know, it's a green field opportunity to build a an organization that doesn't have anything. And they're just like, Hey, we need to do this, go. And I thought that was awesome. So I did that. And then I said, you know, I think that I might want to try to do things on my own. So I founded uh, June cyber and now I'm the, I'm the founder of uh, that company and we're a consulting firm doing governance, risk, and compliance, helping small and medium businesses improve their, their cybersecurity culture, especially their posture. And another part of that business is I, I developed training to help people explore careers in cybersecurity. So hence why, where the book came from. I wanted to make sure that people, especially veterans and people that are career changers, have some kind of guidance, not like just a bunch of resources, a, a practical approach to exploring careers in cybersecurity and a way forward to get that career. So, yeah, so I wrote that book. And yeah, that's kind of the long and short of it. I'm here in St. Petersburg, Florida, loving it, um, surrounded by water, dolphins. It's great. Man, Marines are just a different breed, if I do say so
0: myself. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why we, we brought you on the show is to talk a little bit about your book, Finding Your Career in Cybersecurity. There's a part in the beginning where you talk about unknown territory. In a world where we're you know consumed by things like imposter syndrome, not being able to to, to feel like you belong in something, what are some ways that you would share with folks about being in unknown territory and how to – not only survive, but thrive in those conditions.
2: Now, are you talking about unknown territory as like being in combat in Afghanistan? Or are we talking about like career? (laughs) cyber? (laughs) I mean, like, you know, that's two different perspectives,
0: right? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely talking about career or even just any endeavor that people take going into somewhere where they just don't know what's going on. A lot of people like to seek out comfort. They want to be in a place where they know the outcome. They want to be able to plan and architect the way things are going to unfold. But when you go on to some, when you transition from one uh, job field to another, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of things that you have to be cognizant of. Mm-hmm. So what are some ways that you've actually used some of the tips that you've uh, done in your own career?
2: So when you're moving, when you're moving from one career to another, or you're transitioning from one thing to another, Some people say, just go cold turkey and just run right into it, the fire, grab the bull by its horns, and just go with it. And that may work for some people, but I am one that wants to research as much as possible because like in combat, you have the fog of war, you have that unknown. When you were getting trained as an officer, you had to make decisions all the time based on very little information right so you get as much information as you can and you say hey we got to go or no we're going to do it like this and the stakes are high right the the people that are in your in under your charge this is a this could be a life or death decision so i kind of took the same the same idea of you know i'm just going to get as much information as i can i'm going to try to understand it the best that I can I'm going to reduce this uncertainty as much as I can and I'm going to make a decision and I'm and I'm just going to make a decision and go and if it wasn't the right decision I learned something and I iterated and I improved my decision making ability so I went in every situation like that um, going from military to civilian from going to the defense defense sector to the manufacturing sector and it's it's helped a lot but it's i mean if you're transitioning just understand it's going to be there's going to be pain it's there's going to be lessons learned but you're not you're never going to learn if you don't try and i think that was like the biggest lesson for me is try learn iterate do it again do it again keep on doing it keep on making decisions and i mean from the marine corps standpoint that's what marines do we we have to think we have to improvise and we have to overcome. Right. I think you could attest to that, right, Chris? Absolutely. Perfect. Well said.
1: I, I think that's a, kind of a perfect example of not only how to get better at your career or make better decisions in your career, but I think that goes with everything is iteration. Nothing's going to be perfect. Then by the time that it is, you decide that it's a, it's a good time to do something new or make it even more perfect.
2: So yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I I see it a lot in in some organizations where they get stuck with trying to find the perfect answer. And that's where that analysis or paralysis by analysis comes in. It's just like, dude, make a decision. I know it might cost a few thousand dollars right now, but you got to make the best decision you can because right now your your risk is high. You know, let's let's continue moving forward. But we're we're so caught up in uh, making sure that we meet metrics and making sure that we don't lose money that, you know, that that kind of attitude, experimentation attitude kind of goes to the wayside.
1: Right. And I bet as a military veteran and now a consultant helping organizations, I'm sure you find yourself in a lot of maybe hostile situations, whether it's dealing with technology or an environment. What has been one of the challenges that you've experienced in the last year or so that, that you really had to double down on reducing the uncertainty and
2: making better
1: informed decisions?
2: That's a good question. Something that I've always struggled with getting out of the military is is the politics on the corporate side of things. Yeah. Just just the the amount of, you know, massaging you have to do to get a point across can be very Frustrating for somebody that's used to tell me what to do. I am going to go, or I need you to do this, and we go. So that's really frustrating. And then trying to get people to jump on your idea, but you also have to do a little bit of give and take. That could be very difficult, especially when money is involved, or you have people with different personalities that you have to adjust to, or the way that they do things in business. So being able to be flexible. I mean. It's not a problem for me as a consultant, but just for, I guess, for a lack of a better term, it could, it could be very challenging when you have uh, people that micromanage, people that you know, only care about money. How do you get them to see the bigger picture, but also make sure that that organization under your charge is safe? and that, that's that's been a really difficult thing with one of my clients this year so how do you, how do you do that you got to manage through it and i'm learning every day
1: yeah, absolutely we, chris and i actually just got off got done off of another phone call earlier today where one of the uh, conversation leaders was talking about explaining a complex problem even to those that don't want to buy your story like you might have the best story but you still got to explain it and break it down to someone that one isn't even interested in consuming a new
2: story yes yeah and i think it's our roles as leaders to especially technical leaders is to break the conversation down to the simplest terms so that everybody in the room understands what in the world you're saying and if it and we call it barney style in the marines (laughs) we call it barney style and yes indeed yeah it's just like dude this is this is like bare bones. This is what it is, and you know, even if you break it down Barney style, people will still push, right? right. And it's it's difficult. And how do you manage through that? It's just like how and you have to come up with different ways to influence without authority, which is always a it's always a challenge. But it's a it's a challenge that all leaders go through.
0: The one thing I really like about your book, finding your career in cybersecurity, is it's a it's a short read. It's it's really really small. You could probably fit in your pocket if you folded it up. But the content itself is so dense because you have links to other things that people could look into, like the NICE framework and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. All of it's practical. Very, very little philosophy. But there is a part that is philosophical that I, I think it'd be worth bringing up and I'd love to get your your thoughts on it. And the at the end of the book you say nothing that is easy is really worth anything. Nothing that is too difficult is worth wasting your time over. Remember that time is precious and you can never get it back. What was the,
2: the motivation behind putting that in the book? Oh, man, that's a uh, yeah, that's totally uh, something that I live by. It's, you know, people people think that, OK, well, if it's free, you know, that's great. I'm just going to get as much free things as I can. And so the, the reason why I, I said that is it brought me back to when I went to college the first time after high school and my parents like great parents they they wanted to pay for my my school and i i screwed up you know i you know i was just not there i screwed up my grades were terrible and then that was the moment where i said i am never going to let my parents pay for anything again because now i have to earn it on my own right i'm going to i'm it doesn't matter what i go through i'm it's going to be me. I have to, I have to pull my own weight. So that's why I say, it's just like, yeah, my parents paid for school and I should be thankful for that. But, you know, I, when I went through boot camp, and when I went through, I did the college on my own, I, I felt that it was so much more worth it to me because I earned it. Right. I earned the title of Marine. I, I earned my bachelor's degree. I, I earned the, my commission and that, those those personal accomplishments really drove drove my life to to keep on pushing so if it wasn't if it was too easy it's just like well why should i care about this it's if i'm just going to get it for free right and then and then the other part the flip side of that if it's too difficult what i mean by difficult if it's like stupid difficult that you're not right. going to get any value from it why waste your time man
0: yeah
2: seriously why waste your time This. I mean, if you're, you, you're never going to win in an argument with an idiot, right? Yep. You're just, you're just going to be wasting your breath, wasting your time. It's just like, just, okay. All right. I said it once. You, you obviously don't want to listen to me. I'm, you know, I'm going to talk to somebody who does want to listen and you you move on. So th- these are life lessons that, you know, I, I learned and, Yeah, I just don't want people to go through the the time wasting that I I went through. And so if that mantra that I keep in my head every day, and I'm (laughs) I'm really glad you brought it up, that's that's how I live my life. It's like there's two kinds of time. Productive time and non-productive time. So all that all that space in between is is nothing. You know, you're not you're not there's it's really binary for me. I want to make sure that every second I have on this earth is productive, whether it be professionally, with my family, you know, taking care of myself, going to the gym, everything, every second of my day has a purpose. And what it really boils down to is live with purpose.
1: That That's amazing. That's an amazing nugget just to yes. take with you anywhere. So I'm, I'm definitely, I, I just <laughs> wrote that one down myself. <laughs> I haven't gotten through the whole book, but I did uh, get it off of Amazon. Oh, Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. And for anyone that hasn't checked it out, highly recommend it. It has a great start to it. And it's and like Chris was saying, it's a very short read, like what, 100 pages or so. Yeah, yeah. It's um, 100 pages. And one of the things that I was thinking of uh, is, you know, you have wisdom in this book. And you also sounds like you mentor quite a bit. And you have some veterans and veteran initiatives going on right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk talk to those at all?
2: Yeah. So one of the things that I've, uh, one of the things that I've experienced as I got out is that, you know, veterans, if they are exploring careers in cybersecurity, they, they say, okay, I just need to get some certs. And I, you know, I, maybe I need to get my degree and then I'll get a six figure job and I'll do this and do that. I'm like, well, why are you looking at why are you looking at cybersecurity in that way? Why do you really want to do this, right? And I've taken I've taken a lot of those veterans under my wing and said, "What is your why?" So, like in the first, it's like Simon Sinek, right? You know, Love why it. I I took the same approach. It's like, why do you want to do this? Do you? And for veterans, cybersecurity is a great fit because it kind of fits our culture. You know who the adversary is, or you're trying to find the adversary, and you're trying to protect your organization it's the same kind of service attitude that i i feel that is important to bring that kind of diversity into the cybersecurity industry right so i developed a course that's specifically for veterans to explore those careers in cybersecurity but also talk about like my struggles with transitioning into the corporate the corporate life and talk about empathy talk about emotional intelligence. Cause I, I think that's that's what's kind of missing in a lot of these programs that I see um out there today. It's like they'll get you the hard skill training, they'll get you the certifications. But you know, there's a there's a true a uh, challenge when when people go from, you know, wearing their uniform to wearing suits. And what I want to do is just smooth that smooth that transition a bit more so that they so they don't have to feel some of the pain that I had to go through. But yeah, that's, that's some of the initiatives that I have going on. And I mean, it's, it's growing. A lot of the stuff that I've been posting on LinkedIn is about supporting veterans and trying to get them to think differently about their career choice in, in cybersecurity. Because again, when I talk to veterans, they say, I want to be in cybersecurity. And I say, what do you want to do in cybersecurity? The first answer I get is I want to hack stuff. It's just like, okay, well, you know that there's a like a process to get there, right? And there's there's things that you have to learn. They're like, well, yeah, I just get a certification. I'll get my OSCP, and it's like, well, you know, there's theory behind that, and there's and so it's just kind of like, let's like I I appreciate your enthusiasm to get into the field, but you you can't just shotgun blast and say I want to be in cybersecurity. Really focus on what your talents are. And, you know, what your true interests are and then find your way to get to the end goal of being a hacker if that's what you want to be. But you have to start somewhere. You're going to have to start understanding the basics or the theory and being able to apply it. And over over time and an experience, you're you're eventually going to get to your goal. But we've got to start you from square one. So, yeah, that's that's how I kind of look at it. One thing that I've noticed as a common
0: theme throughout your life is that this this this, freight, this this word keeps popping up in my head, mastery. I'd like to sort of explore your beginnings because I don't know if people realize this, but if you play an instrument or you're on the drill team in the United States Marine Corps, you're probably one of the best in the world. So could you tell us a little bit about your journey through p- playing piano? And actually, do you play still p- play piano today?
2: Yeah, actually, I yeah, yeah I do. I mean... I actually posted something on Facebook. My mother is her birthday is today and she has requested that I perform classical music for all my Facebook friends. Wow. So, um, yeah, so I have to, I have to play um, classical music for all my Facebook friends tomorrow evening. So yeah, I still play. I, I love it. Let me, I guess, let me start. And this, this will be really interesting because I, I use a lot of music, as i use a lot of what i've learned in music in how i how i live life as well as how i look at cybersecurity. When i started playing piano when i was six i was classically trained and the marine corps found me i was i was playing at church but i was very classically uh, um, trained and that was my strength but the marine corps said hey we need you to play jazz we need you to play rock so they you know and good Marine Corps fashion, they said, yeah, you're going to do this. And and so I did. So I learned how to take frameworks of how the music should be and improvise on top of that. You know, understanding that there's a box in music, and then there's people that understand the box and can only play in that box. But then you look at jazz musicians and they know where the box is and they take, they take it out of the box and then they'll take it out of that box, and they'll take it out of that box, but then they'll come back to the original box. Does that make sense? That's an amazing analogy, and and so whenever
0: you're you're using this framework for additional things in your life, what what is some situations where music applied to something where people wouldn't even even
2: thought to apply it to? Okay, so this is this is the really um, interesting thing. So when I went to Afghanistan, I was part of a regimental unit, and I got to see how how like the tanks were used, how infantry was used, how our communications supported all of that, how our supply lines worked in concert with one another in order to meet this mission, right? And so, you know, a few years later, I'm in this position as, you know, the global head of vulnerability management services. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, what is why, why aren't we talking to one another? Why, why isn't the team talking as well as we could? And it's because we're not passing information to one another for action. Or what we're doing is we're shotgun blasting our, our stakeholders with, with reports that have thousands of vulnerabilities and saying, Hey, go fix. Well, that, that doesn't make sense. So what I wanted to do is take some of the military concepts that I've learned over the years and say, Okay, we have this thing called priority information requirements from the top down. Boss, tell me what's important to you and I'm going to do everything in my my power to give you the information that you want at the right time in the right format, right? And so what I what I did is I took this whole concept of um from the military and I applied it to the corporate environment and this is this is what my first book is about. It's called uh, practical cyber intelligence is where I marry up the the framework of how the military looks at, you know, looks at doing operations and how they support one another by passing along information, reducing silos and getting, getting the mission accomplished. So that's like kind of the long short of it. But as I was writing it, and this is, this is the wild part, which I tell people, um, they're like, well you know, how did you come up with this? I'm just like, it's all jazz, man. You have a framework. You have a framework, right? And you just say, okay, well, let's see how we can make this work. And, you know, I I wrote an entire book with diagrams and pictures based off of things that, you know, it's just a, a framework and it's just a different mindset. And I, I said, okay, let's improvise. Let's do this. And what happened was I got this, I got this book and you know, the funny part is I only, I only wrote it once. I, I took me three months to write this book and it's just improvisation, right? I'm writing, I'm writing what I think and I'm putting it down and Hey, it, you know, some people love it. And then some people are like, this is craziness. And I'm okay with that because guess what? I'm improvising. I'm being creative. And that's how I kind of like, Hey, let's figure out a way to solve this problem. And it's, it's not textbook stuff, right? It's different ways of thinking. And that's how we need to challenge our industry. And, you know, when you have these novel ideas, you know, it, it inspires somebody else. And I'm no genius. I just, I just try to challenge the status quo in any way that I can. And I put this book together and, and it, and you know, it resonates with people. And that's how I, that's how I use music. And in that capacity for, for a global implementation of, of military concepts in a corporate environment. I don't know, Wilson, you're pretty smart. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to my wife, she'll tell you something else. (laughs) He's very jazzy, he just goes with it. (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, you got to think, it's like, you know, you got to challenge, you got to challenge what the box is, right? When you challenge what the box is, it expands your box. And you challenge your yeah, once you get comfortable in that box, you gotta keep on going again. Make your box bigger because that's the only way that you're gonna get better, right? You gotta challenge yourself to be uncomfortable. But then, like you're looking from the, the grand scheme of things, you're challenging the industry to be better, right? Not with just technical leadership, but also leadership. So as long as you keep on challenging yourself and challenging the people that are around you with thinking differently then we're all doing we're all on the same sheet of music no pun intended there right
1: and that's that's a really good point because we were just chatting about that right before we hit record we're talking about how we all have to kind of band together and bring just more conversations and facts to the security space so like open it up to talk about leadership open up to talk about diversity and other uh areas of thought Is that one of the reasons why you started your podcast, DevSec Lead? How did that start? And was that also you getting outside of your original box?
2: Yeah, it's um, definitely out of my box because I didn't know how to, I didn't really know how to do anything podcast wise. Uh, I didn't know how to record that much, but I said, I I have a mission, right? I want to be able to not just talk to my friends about the stuff that I think about. I want to talk to a lot more people about it. And, you know, if they like what I'm saying, that's cool. But if if they don't, that's that's fine too. But the the thing is, is that I want to challenge the in- industry to think beyond the technical, right? I want to talk about leadership, and that's like you know everybody says uh, DevSecOps. I was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll come up with a you know a weird name, DevSecLead. Mm-hmm. You know, develop yep. security leaders, and that's what we talk about. We talk about different topics on leadership. We talk about like diversity. We talk about c- improving your communication skills improving your communication skills across cultures. How do you, how do you think, how do you think in times of uncertainty? I've got a buddy of mine, Graham Westbrook from living security, and he goes in the, he goes in the conversations or he just starts talking. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what you're saying, but it really sounds good. (laughs) But, you know, these are, these are awesome conversations with thought leaders or up and comers that are in our industry. We talk about like, emotional, we talk about mental, mental health. And I mean, we all deal with something and everybody has a story. Everybody has something to add. Everybody can add value. And that's what I try to bring to the show is interesting stories and talk about challenging how we look at leadership and how we, how we challenge our leadership within our industry.
0: Yeah. I think all three of us are fanatical about leadership and cultivating that skill. It seems like all three of us are really into reading as well. What would you say is the one book that has changed your leadership style the most?
2: Hmm.
1: Great question, by the way. Yeah, that's a very <laughs> good question.
2: You know, there's there's been a lot of books that I've read. I can't say that there's a single book that's really like said, you know, this is it. This is the, the leadership that I want to know. Because like, in the Marine Corps, they give you training about how to be a leader, um, it, whether you're a, a democratic one or you're, you know, you're, you're more direct. And then I've gone through courses, leadership courses where like I've taken the Gallup Strengths Finder test or some other assessment. And they say, this is your style of leadership. And because when you have, when you have uh, multiple means or multiple resources to draw from it's it really isn't and then it doesn't become like the one single source that changed your life it's this is like well this changed my perspective here this changed my perspective there and i wish i could put it in one book but yeah i would i I could say that i i don't have a single source that that changed my life i think that a lot of the a lot of the experiences a lot of the research that i've done each has its small part of influencing how I lead today there are great leaders to follow but I wouldn't say that everybody's perfect everybody has their everybody has their gig so yeah not a single book I'd say there's a lot of books that influenced my life oh that's still a great answer
1: one of one of the books that I loved is Extreme Ownership and you know you both
0: read it <laughs> i was so. just thinking that that would that was my answer to be honest extreme ownership oh was it yeah nice
2: you know i haven't I, read that book everybody's telling me to read that book but I, I i've got to put it on my my list to do now
1: yeah, it's, it's yeah. definitely a great read. And I was going to flip the question around a little bit. Instead of asking around about a good book, I was going to ask if there's been uh, an influential character in the past few years that has really changed your outlook on leadership.
2: Ooh, okay. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I... So when I, when I got out of the Marine Corps, it wasn't because I really wanted to, when I, when I became an officer, I, you know, I was in, like, I wanted to be in for 20 years. And that's what I was really looking for. And I found that after I went to, you know, training, I got to a unit, I was getting ready to uh, deploy. I just, I had a uh, officer that was above me that you know, just treated me like garbage. Uh, he micromanaged me. He he made me feel like I was uh, an idiot all the time. He, you know, he had talked bad about me in front of in front of my subordinates. And I don't know, maybe he was jealous. But you know, i I came out I came out of that, and I was just really upset. And he, uh, and partly my fault too, because I just didn't listen to him, and I didn't really respect his uh, respect his authority as well but because of everything that had happened my my evaluations were terrible and you know i i blamed him you know and i didn't really reflect at that time that maybe i could have been the problem but you know that that whole thing happened and i had 6 months to transition out of the marine corps so chris you understand that's that's nuts right mm-hmm. you yeah you have to get your family ready to go you have to try to find a job and yeah, so I, I was told that I had to get out and and so I so I did. So this this person changed my life. And as much as I, I hated him, I have to to be quite honest, is that if I hadn't gone out, I don't think that I would be here where I am today. That whole chapter of my life was absolutely miserable. It, I mean, it was so miserable. Uh, I mean, where I was going and what I was doing in Afghanistan, I, I got PTSD from the decisions of this guy. Right. Mm. And it's, it's rough. But now that I look back at it and I'm just like, you know, I hate to say that, you know, everybody, you know, God knows things that you don't know. And, you know, people are putting your, your life for a purpose. I got to thank this guy because if I, if I didn't get out of the Marine Corps, I, I wouldn't be where I am today. Like I would have never thought that I would be responsible for auditing the the Marine Corps bases for huge inspections. I would have never thought that I would be a head of vulnerability management services at a global company, you know, and that, that whole experience, I mean, it really broke my confidence, but then I, I realized that it's like, yeah, I'm a lot smarter than what people said that I was. And, you know, I ended up getting my master's um, in information systems management from Boston. And then I, and I said, okay, let's, let's keep on going. And, you know, I got a bunch of certs and it's, I just wanted to see how far I could go. And I, and because of this man, it's, that's the reason where I am, why I am, why I am and where I am. So, I mean, I turned this negative thing into such a positive outlook for my family, for my life. and. You know, I, I have to say, you know, I, I hated the experience at the time, but now it's just like, well, if that would have never happened, I would never be where I am today. Wow.
1: There's a, someone that I follow. His name is Jim Quick. And he says that oftentimes the best ways for adults to learn is through trauma. Yeah. So that maybe maybe that could be part of it. I know that's often how I experience my biggest learning lessons is through some of the downfalls and the tougher times.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, it was it was rough, man. It was rough. And I mean, it was it was probably one of the worst experiences of my life to feel that one that I was away from my family in an unknown in an unknown country. And and then, you know, being treated like you were just garbage all the time. That That's traumatic. And it, it really hits on your self-confidence. But then you take a step back and you say, well, screw you. I'm not like that. And then you just not prove it to him, but you just prove it to yourself that, yeah, I'm not anything that these people think that I am. And you just keep on going and you keep on going. And maybe at first it was like, I'm going to prove them wrong. But then eventually it turned into, let's see how far I could go because this is, you know, I found something here and I'm learning something here. I'm really passionate about it. I'm just going to keep on going. I want to keep on going. And then, and then it's turned into, I want to mentor people. I want to, I want to help people. I want to help companies be better. And it's just like, yeah, that trauma was miserable at the time and short-sighted. It was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm stupid, but here I am today. You know, it's, it's crazy.
0: Yeah. You know what? Everything you just said completely resonated with me on so many levels. I I once heard that living well is the best revenge. And a lot of my initial drive to be successful, my initial drive to do things, to do great things was based on people counting me out. And Mm -hmm. the way you've turned that into something positive, and now you're no longer fueled by you know, this, you know, revenge to to get back at, you know, the people that have, you know, downtrodden you throughout your life. Now you're, you're able to experience the positive side of being able to give and to continue to build your, your platform to help as many people as possible. And I, I just, I can't thank you enough for making the decision to putting out content, to putting out your books, to, to reaching out to people like you have.
2: I, I, I think it's a, it's a happy ending story for sure. Yeah. No, it's, You know, I think what makes me happy in the end is to help people and help people be better and help them find that purpose, not just not just with leadership, but, you know, in their organizations and how they how they, you know, conduct themselves doing cybersecurity, finding that purpose, helping people find their purpose, helping organizations find the reason why they do the things that they do or need to do is a much bigger blessing than any any tangible tangible thing that, or material thing that I could ever get and i yeah i i appreciate it
0: wilson thank you so much sincerely from the bottom of our hearts loved your story love all of the knowledge that you just dropped on during this conversation for those out there that are listening that want to stay in contact with you all the things
2: that you're doing what are the best ways that people can do that you could find me on linkedin wilson bautista jr b-a-u-t-i-s-t-a and you i'm pretty active on there i I like that and then you could go to the podcast as well listen to what we're talking about you could you could find it on any of your favorite podcast platforms and you could always send me an email wilson at j-u-n-c-y-b-e-r dot com i i leave that open for people because you know sometimes if it's not cybersecurity, it's Somebody that that has like mental mental health issues like I do, like PTSD is a big deal and we need to talk about that. And the best lessons and the best support that I've had were from people that are, have gone through some traumatic experience. So if somebody has something that they need to talk about, you know, reach out. I'm here, you know, I'm here to talk to you about that, whatever's troubling you. So yeah, email linkedin get on my podcast listen listen up and you know let's let's get through this together
1: great we'll be sure to put all those links and resources for everyone that can reach out so they'll be able to do that and thanks again wilson and we'll see everyone next time